We are in a series called Conversations. We're in week four of that series. And what we've been talking about is this idea that um, God feels comfortable with you asking him questions. And, and in your life, you might have had several times where you had some really serious questions for God. Why did something turn out a certain way? Or why didn't something turn out a certain way? Um, uh, why did God let this thing happen? And, and, and we've been talking about the idea that um, God's comfortable with all those questions. He's not threatened by them. He's not um, uh, upset at them. He, but what he wants to do is enter into a conversation. And oftentimes as humans, we think just answer, asking the question is enough. And so we'll say something like, you know, God, well, you know, why is there so much suffering in the world? And just by asking the question, we feel like we've covered the topic of God's sovereignty. When really we've just answered, asked a question. And God wants us to continue in that conversation. And so this series really flips that a little bit on its head and says, what are some of the places in the Bible where God asks us some questions? And not to trap us or to trick us or to make us feel uncomfortable, but how to get us into a situation where we get to enter in to a conversation with him, where we have to answer the question. When God asks us a question, he wants us to answer it. He wants to engage in a conversation with us. And so um, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. It's one of the most important questions you can be asked. And this morning we're going to be talking about, this question comes in two parts, actually. And, um, and I think God wants us to answer both parts. And I think as we head into this week, if you'd be honest with yourself, when you take some time to really answer those questions, you'd find out quite a bit about yourself and quite a bit about God. Um, I've been uh, purchasing Apple products ever since my senior year in, in college, which was about seven years ago. And, um, and so uh, I, I've always had a, a Mac, or, uh, and then when the iPhones came out, I, I, I went out and got one of those. And, and so, you know, if you're a, a, an, another phone user, don't judge me. I don't, I don't care about which one. I just, I'm just used to the to the Apple products, and, um, but like this one has an, a function on it called Siri, which is uh, completely useless, and uh, what, what you do is you tell Siri you want something, and Siri says, I don't understand, and then you say it really loud and slowly, and she says, I'm not connected to the internet, and then you say it again really slowly, and she doesn't understand, and so um, it's a wonderful feature uh, that teaches patience. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but one of the things I use Siri for all the time that she, and we've actually given her a personality, which is weird, but uh, what she's really good at is turn-by-turn directions. And whatever phone you have, um, inferior phone, um, uh, I'm sure you have an app like that, turn-by-turn turn directions. And, and I love turn-by-turn directions because I, I don't know if you've ever been with somebody in the car and they're supposed to be giving you directions, but they're in the middle of a story or something. And so you're driving and you're thinking to yourself, man, I think it's right up here. And they're telling the story and they're like, and so that's why my aunt told me that if I wear plaid, I'm, oh, turn right here. Like, you ever, have you ever had anyone do that? You go through four lanes of traffic. You're like drifting, you know, it's like sliding. You're like, hang on, holding on to the thing above. And you, you make it. It's, I hate that. I hate that. I want to know where I'm going, and I want to be pre-warned. And so what Siri does uh, pretty well is she'll say, hey, uh, well, not quite like this, but something like this. She'll say, hey, because um, uh, we have a pretty close relationship. 
Um, in 2.3 miles, you're going to turn left. And I'm like, thanks, Siri. Thanks for the warning. You know, continue with your story. But at least now I know. And so, and so you'll drive, and, you, and, I'll, and I'm just super calm, and I, don't, I really don't even pay attention. Well, I pay attention to the cars, but I don't pay attention to where I'm going. She just tells me. And I started thinking, wouldn't it be cool to have turn-by-turn directions for life? Like you punch in your destination. You say, someday I want to be married to a perfect person, right? And you, you type it in, and you press enter, and then they, like Siri says, in 4.2 years, you're going to want to go to this club, or whatever it is, wherever you meet people. Uh, and so, so what I did, I just took some fun, and I, I, I thought I'd, I'd have Siri give me turn-by-turn directions for life. So uh, let, let's say I wasn't married, and um, I, uh, uh, I, I wanted to see if this person was the one that I was going to marry. And so um, I, I say to Siri, um, uh, Siri, you know, I, I want to get married, and so tell me what to do next. And, and Siri says this. See that? In two months, my girlfriend's going to cheat on me. You imagine all this, how much time I'd save, right? I could just, with turn-by-turn directions of life, I just go, oh, yeah, see you later. We're done with this relationship, all right? Or let's say you're a female, and uh, you meet this guy, and he's super cute, and, and you, you type in your, your, your destination. Uh, m- might be a long-term relationship with this guy, and, and Siri says this. Okay, see that? That would be helpful, right? Okay. Let, let, let's say you meet somebody, either a girl or guy or whatever, and you, there's just a little thing in your mind, and you're thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know. There's just something that bothers me. Yeah, see? Do a criminal background check immediately. That, that would be super helpful to have life turn-by-turn directions. You type in your destination, where you want to be investment-wise, financially. You say, I'd like to be independently wealthy. And Siri just tells you, invest in this company here, sell the stock here, do this or do that, or relationships or whatever. Isn't that really what we want from God when we kind of narrow everything down? As we kind of go through life, don't, don't, don't we kind of partly go, hey, why can't you just tell me what to do? Why can't you just tell me what my next step is? Why, why can't you just tell me, like, 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 I never would have gotten into this relationship had I heard from you cl- as clearly as I heard from Siri uh, for, for that day. I, I never would have invested in that had I really known. I, I, I never would have done all those things. And I, I think this is the type of conversation God wants to have because I think God would push back just a little bit. And he'd say, Really? You didn't, you didn't know that that was a bad idea. And we'd say, well, I didn't hear an audible voice. And God might say, okay, so what you want from me is, a, is an audible voice. So you, you're in control of your life, and then you just hear me kind of bark out orders, and then you, you, you do that. You don't really follow some of the orders you know come from me. And so there we begin the conversation, the conversation with God. And what I want to talk about this morning is this idea of the direction of our lives and the conversation God wants to have with us along the way. Uh, Andy Stanley, in his book, um, The Principle of the Path, 
the whole book, and you don't even need to read it now because this is what it sums uh, up with. He says this, direction, not intention, determines destination. The direction you're going. So if I tell you right now, um, uh, uh, you know, you, where do you want to go? And you say, I want to go to Huntington Beach. And, and I say, get on the 91 and drive east. Uh, it doesn't matter if you intend to go to the beach at all. You are not going to make it to the beach, whether or not you intend to or not. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Or and pick, any, pick any place you want to go. This also happens in our own life. You say, I, I want to I get to the end of my life, and I want to I retire. I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be rich. I just want to be comfortable. I, I want to have enough money to be able to maybe volunteer at some places. I want to have enough money maybe to just uh, hang out with my family, maybe buy a, a vacation for my big family now. And so I'm going to buy a jet ski and rack up a whole bunch of credit card debt. Like, great intention, horrible direction. Or you say, my grandkids are super important to me. I, I, I want to spend as much time as I can with them, so I'm just going to neglect my health and, and just eat whatever I want and lie around or whatever. And now, now, now you've, your direction didn't match your intention. And you can go through pretty much everything. I, I, I want to have a, a relationship with my spouse that's really, um, really strong and really solid, and so I'm going to flirt with the people at work, right? I mean, you, get, you know, direction, not intention, determines destination. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The direction of our lives, where we are, where we're going, all these different things. And so we're going to look at a specific story in the Bible um, that happens all the way back at Genesis chapter 16. And uh, what's happened, just to set it up, is there's a guy named Abram that God later on changes his name to Abraham. And he's married to a woman named Sarai, who later on God changes her name to Sarah. And God goes to Abram, and he gives him a promise. And he says, he basically takes him by the hand, he pulls him outside, and he says, look, look up at the stars. See all those stars? That's how many descendants you're going to have, that you and Sarai are going to have. And so I'm going to make you a great nation. And so that's my promise. And then, and then Abram has this vision of a of, a, of an oven and all this stuff and a sacrifice of a split in two and God what makes this covenant, this promise with Abram. Well, that was great. And I'm sure Abram was super excited. And he's like, man, this is great. And, you know, maybe, maybe her, him and Sarai, you know, they're like, well, you know, I mean, God said that we're going to make a great nation. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know what happened with them. But, but time goes by. And more time goes by. And more time goes by. And 10 years goes by. And, and um, Abram's biological clock was, see, what happens, okay, anyway, um, I don't have time to go into the physiology of it all, but um, time was running out for Abram and Sarai, so to wait another 10 years, it, it was kind of, it was kind of too late for them to have kids, and this is where we find them right now. They're sitting uh, in Canaan, they've had this promise from God, this kind of big event, and then nothing. Have you ever been in that season of your life? Where you really feel something. You really feel like, man, I think we're supposed to be at a certain spot and we're not there yet. Lisa and I felt that. Uh, when we felt called to ministry, 
we really, really felt God had specifically told us we were going to go into full-time ministry, like that was going to be our job. And from the time we heard God's voice for that to the time I actually entered full-time ministry was 10 years. And there's weird emotions that happen in all those different things. And you think, did I hear? Did, was it just bad pizza with pastor? What? I mean, like, what happened? I got, I, 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 like, what, what is that? Like, and, and we confirmed it. And we, we tried some different things that didn't work or didn't pan out or didn't feel, feel right. And so we, we backed out. And it was just, it's hard. And, and here's the thing. It's the gap between promise and promised land, it can be hard. You know, maybe for you, you've decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save myself for marriage. And you're like, you know what, I'm making that decision, and that's going to be my thing. I, I'm going to believe the Bible for this. And, and that time from that promise to promised land is like, oh, man, she is so cute. Or whatever your thing is, there's, there's a gap. That's hard. That's called faith. That's trust. Or you, or you make a decision, I'm not going to engage in this behavior anymore. And and then, and then there's just certain things that happen that are just so tempting to, to want to engage in that behavior. The, the gap between promise and promised land can be, can be really tough. And this is where Abraham fi- found himself, and this is where Sarai found herself too. Because at that particular uh, time in, in history, uh, for the woman, having a family was a, a status, was a, that was important. And so the more kids you had and the wealthier you were kind of brought you up in prominence. And so that's that's where we find them, okay? And so we're in Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. The Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and um, if you have a mobile device, uh, don't ask Siri to find it because you'll, you'll, you'll order tacos. Okay, um, this is this. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, uh, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to him, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Okay, just as your pastor, this is not a good idea, okay? If you're writing down notes on how to build a healthy relationship, no, okay? As a matter of fact, most of what you see in Abram's uh, and Sarai's relationship is, um, is a good book on how not to have a healthy relationship. Even though he's the father of many nations, uh, he, he didn't, he didn't uh, uh, do that great on this one. Now, here's the thing. Abram is at a crossroads. Abram has a decision to make. Because basically his wife comes to him with a way out. He doesn't have to. He can, he can make it happen. And have you ever been in that situation where you know God has been kind of pushing you to some sort, uh, maybe in your business, and, and, and then you get this little easy way out that if I just fudge the numbers a little bit, or maybe um, you have a, uh, you're in a relationship and uh, God's made certain, certain things happen in this relationship or don't happen in this relationship, and then something comes along, or, or maybe in your finances, it, may, it, could, it could be really anything where you're at this crossroads where, you, where you're, you're there, and you, you need turn-by-turn turn directions. You're, you're kind of waiting. And, and there's something in the back of your voice that is nudging you to go a certain way. And now you have what we called a, several months ago, you're in the fog of emotion. And you can begin to argue with God and say, you promised me this, and it's been 10 years. And so you, you kind of owe me this. 
And maybe this is really what you meant. And maybe this or maybe that. And, 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 and you're at a point where you're ready to compromise. And there's something in the back of your mind that... And it's the Spirit of God saying, don't do it. Don't settle. And what does Abram do? He settles. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai... His wife took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, as you look at the rest of this story, you may or may not agree with me. Every time I read this story, I picture Abram on his couch, and I picture Sarai talking from the other room, right? And so I picture Abram sitting there, He's had this promise. His life was supposed to go a certain way. He was supposed to have, be the father of many nations, as many kids as the stars of the sky. And he's sitting in his couch. He's watching ESPN. And his wife from the other room is going, you know, she's Hebrew. So maybe she's just like, what if we don't have any kids? You know, I don't know how she does it. But anyway, so, so, so you, you can just picture her in the other room going, you know, God said we were supposed to have these kids and we don't. And, I think you should just sleep with Hagar. And he's just like, okay. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like that to me. He says, okay. And you can picture Hagar in the other room folding clothes. Like, what the? Are you out of your mind? What did, no, 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 no. You know, but at that time, she was their property. That's how backwards it was. And so she's got to do what her mistress says. And so she sleeps with Abram, and she, ha- she conceives. Now, again, it just gets so complicated when we get off the track of what God would have us do. It's not, it's not, sometimes it's easier, it just becomes more complicated. And some of us, because I know our stories, and I know my story, some of the most Difficult times of our lives were when we stepped off of the path God had us on because it seemed easier and it immediately became more complicated. This is exactly what happens. Hagar conceives and now she's got this baby uh, growing in her and anyone who's had a baby or has been involved in that knows that that bond begins very early and now Hagar's got this baby and she's thinking to herself, no way are you taking my baby. This is my baby. And so she begins, uh, uh, it says, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, now watch how complicated it begins to get. You're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows that she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Like Again, couples, This is not a good example of communication, okay? But this is what Sarai does. And this is what Abram does. And so Abram, sitting on the couch again, remote control in hand, is like, okay, like, you know, he just misses it. He says, your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. This is what it's gotten to. So you've got this promise that God has. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You're going to ha- have, have these kids, these descendants, and you're going to be, uh, become my people, and I'm going to be your God, and we have this covenant. And now, Abram's sitting 
in his house. He and his wife are distant. He's gotten his slave pregnant, right? And now, as we see, Sarai starts beating her, starts mistreating her. It says, then Sarai mistreated Hagar. And so Hagar flees. And so she gets out of there. Have you ever been in that situation where you just feel like, man, you know what, enough. I, I, gotta, I gotta go. I gotta get out of this. You, you know what's amazing about the story of Hagar is Hagar really had nothing to do with this. Like, she, she just, she was a victim. And that might be where you find yourself right now. Where you feel like, man, the decisions I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make, but I didn't really get myself into this situation. I've been a victim. Maybe it's when you were a little kid and you're still bearing the scars and the marks of what people in power did to you when you were a little kid. And that's who you become. And so you're just like, man, I got to get out of here. And relationships are difficult for you because you're just trying to work through that process. Maybe you had a career going and everything was going great and because of what management did with that company, you lost your job and now you're in a financial uh, uh, dire situation, not because you didn't work hard, not because you didn't try your best, not because you weren't faithful and showed up on time and left late and did all this kind of stuff. It's because somebody mismanaged the company and now here you are just just going, man, I, I didn't bring this on me. You work for a company all these years and it comes time to retirement and they've, they've blown it all. You're like, man, what, what am I doing? Maybe you've worked in a relationship and you've gone on. Maybe it's been a marriage or whatever and all of a sudden somebody becomes unfaithful and you're like, I didn't bring this on. I, di- I didn't do this. This is where, I, where I'm, I, I'm stuck. Or maybe you find yourself in the, this situation where you can look back and you know exactly what you did and you blame yourself. And you look back and you say, I deserve exactly what I'm getting right now because of the shame you feel because you made some decisions, maybe in high school or maybe in college or maybe in your 20s or 30s. Maybe some decisions you made in just one night and just one trip and just one decision, one investment. And you look back and you go, man. Well, Hagar flees and where, where she goes is telling What happens is, as she goes, God meets her on her journey. God God gets into contact with her. In fact, we find that even though how how dire it is, that here she is now single, on her own, in a a time when uh, women have no value, and she's a slave, and she's Egyptian, and she's in Israel, and she's on the road that God would somehow stop her and have a conversation with her. And so here's what happens. She, she flees from Sarai, and the angel of the Lord finds Hagar near a spring in the desert. Now, just so you understand, if I were to tell you, um, this week I won't be in the office, I'm going to the desert to be by myself, you would say, wow, what a spiritual guy. He's going out into the desert to, 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 to be with God. It, it, the ancient mindset here, the, it, the de- God wasn't in the desert. 
Okay, the desert was, this is why it's so um, awesome that as they're led through the desert, God is with them by a, a, a cloud of, um, a cloud and a pillar of fire, right? A cloud of smoke and a pillar of fire. Because God, no matter where they go, God was with them. That wasn't, that wasn't intuitive to their mindset. And so when Hagar goes out into the desert, she's not going out to find God. That's where the evil was. That's where demons were. That's where it was uh, kind of sketchy out there. And so to have a deity, which we'll see in a little bit, she doesn't even know which deity it was. She doesn't expect Jehovah there because Jehovah's not, he doesn't reside there. It's not, it's not Yahweh. God hasn't even really been formally introduced, really. I mean, Moses is kind of where that all happens. So she's out there in the middle of nowhere. And it says she was... Uh, it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. Where she's going, Shur is in Egypt. She's going home. She wants to get back to her people. She's making it happen. She's, she's going, she figures, she's come up with a plan. And she says, look, here I am. I'm an Egyptian slave with this Hebrew family. I'm, I'm going back to Egypt. And this is, this is where the angel of the Lord finds her. And when we talked about the Gideon story, we talked about how the angel of the Lord is the mouthpiece of God. He doesn't speak, uh, he speaks for God and as God. And the angel of the Lord asks her this amazing question that I think God would ask you this week. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to do kind of a little exercise this week to really get down to the uh, meat of this question. But as Hagar's at this well, pregnant with Isaac, we find out, uh, uh, yeah, Ishmael, uh, pregnant with Ishmael, um, kind of going, I got to get to Egypt, I got to get to Egypt. God comes and asks her a question, which is just a great, great question. It's two parts. I want to look at the first one. And he said, Hagar, <clears throat> slave of Sarai, where have you come from? Now, what's really, really interesting about this question is look how he addresses her. Hagar, slave of Sarai. He knows exactly where she's come from, doesn't he? I mean, that's, that's her identity, okay? And the angel of the Lord says, comes and, and, and basically says, I know who you are, but you tell me where you've come from. And I think this is really, really important as we begin conversations with God. That we understand, how did we get to where we are now? And for, for all of us here, um, uh, you know, I, I was joking um, with first service, and I, I said, where you are, that's where you are. And I said, you can take that to work tomorrow, and, and you can say, at church, I learned that where I am, that's where I am. And they'll be like, wow, your pastor is a genius. No, right? But the, the, where, this is where you are right now in your life journey. You just happen to be here. How did you get here? Where did you come from? Are, are there things in your past that you'd look back on and you'd say, I wish so badly I didn't make that decision ever. You know what your Heavenly Father would say? Oh, I can work with that. I can, I can deal with that. You might, say, you might say, where I am right now, God, I, I feel like I, I, I'm 
I was victimized and stuff happened to me and I kind of feel like you, you weren't there in my time of need. And God will go, okay, I can work with that. We, we can start there. That's, that's where you are. This is where you've come from. And all of us have a different story. And what I love about this, and I, what I love about the question is God is interested in your story. And oftentimes, we don't even like our own story, and we wish we could change parts of it. And a lot of times, when we tell our story to other people, we leave big portions of it out, or we, we make other portions look, and where we made mistakes, we make it someone else's fault, and we do all that, and God wants to remove all that. And says, where did it come from? And he has no problem with us owning our own stuff, just going, you know what, God? I'm this age, and I feel like I've wasted my life. He's not shocked by that. He says, I know. I called you by name, and I, I, I know you. He wants to have the conversation. And so part of your homework this week that I hope you really do it is maybe tomorrow morning you wake up just 15 minutes earlier than you normally would, just 15 minutes, and you, you answer this question to God. You say, God, this is where I've come from. I've made these mistakes, and I own, I own those. And allow God to say, I forgive that. that, that, that yeah, you, okay, I knew about that. Let's move on from there. You might say, God, I feel this way, and I, 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 I feel stuck. I, I've come from this place, and I feel stuck. Maybe, maybe you say something like this. God, I've worked all my life to get what I have, and I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I feel like I've, I just work and work and work, and I'm exhausted. And maybe the conversation just ends there tomorrow morning. You just tell them, you answer the question, this is where I, I've come from. And maybe that takes a couple days. Maybe that takes spending $150 an hour and talking to a professional. I don't know, okay? But, but just processing through that. This is where I am right now. But see, what I love about our Heavenly Father is He's not shocked by that. He knows that already. He's not intimidated by, by where you are or the, 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 the years that you feel you've, 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 you've uh, wasted or whatever. He has another section of the question, another part of the question that he's very, very interested in. And, and this is the exciting part. Where you are is where you are. I mean, that, that's just, you've gotten to this point. And then he goes on, he says, where have you come from and where are you going? What, what direction, not intention, is your destination? What direction are you going in? The way we'd say it here at Living Spring is, what's your next step? Okay, you've gotten here. This is the place you're at. Maybe some things happened to you that were out of your, your, your control. Okay, what, what are you going to do? And so, this is the question he has for us. This is the second part of the question. And so you might find yourself in a situation where you say, man, I've wasted my 20s. And God says, okay, where, what direction are you headed? What's your next step? Because what, what's so incredible about God is that he wants to join you in those next steps. 
that God isn't so much interested in turn-by-turn directions where he sits up and he tells you, make a left, <laughs> make a right. Don't. He's right beside you going, hey, why don't we go, why don't we go this direction? I think this is going to be the best way. I know where you want to go. I know where, what's best for you. And we can get to that destination because I know the direction. So what's your next step? Where have you come from? More importantly, where are you going? And so Hagar answers the question. She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. And here's the part of the problem with conversations with God. I would love that the next thing God says is, you know what, forget her, forget Sarai. You know, she abused you and blah, blah, blah. And God, God knows the, direct, the destination. And so he knows the direction. And so he gives Hagar some really difficult next steps. Because he knows where he wants her to go. And he even tells her where he thinks she's going to end up or where he wants her to end up. He says this, then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Are you kidding me? Then he just says this great thing, I will. If you would do this next step, then I will do this. And instead of just barking out orders and instead of just turn-by-turn directions, God says, listen, you need, look, you're faced in the wrong direction. You're headed towards Egypt. I want you to turn around and begin this journey back, and then I will do this. For some of us in this room, you know exactly what God is telling you to do. You know exactly that he's saying, look, you need to turn around, and your next step needs to be to make a phone call. For some of us, that might be something that's been hidden in our lives for a long time. And you need to go to your spouse and you need to say, I'm done heading in the wrong direction. This is what happened. For some of us, it's a business we've had or we've just felt like God says no and we got to turn around and we got to get rid of the business. For some of us, it's a career path. It's a goal. We want it to be high up on the food chain, power-wise, and God's been telling you, you're killing yourself doing that. Stop. For some of us, it's giving up a hobby. For some of us, it's giving up an addiction. For some of us, it's God says, not one more drink. And until you, not one more drink, I, I, you're heading in the wrong direction. Oh, yeah, but it's just... It's just, I know, here, why don't we, I think I can get there if I go, you know, this way. He says, if you do this, go back to your mistress, and I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Now, what happens is, um, Hagar gives God a name after this. This is the only time in the Bible, Humans didn't give deities names in, this, in the ancient time. It was, if you gave somebody a name, you were, you were above them, okay? And so, so what Hagar does is, is out of line, really. 
that, that Hagar names the deity that typically you'd say, what, you know, what is your name or all this kind of stuff or however, you know, whatever your belief structure was at the time. But this is God we're talking about and God wants relationship. And so Hagar gives God this beautiful name. And I, my hope is this. As you begin to ask yourself this question, maybe tomorrow when you say, God, this is where I've come from. And this is where I am, and I, I'm, I'm just laying it all out. And then you begin to answer the second part of that question later on in the week, and you say, but this is where I want to go. This is the kind of person I want to be. This is the direction I, I, I want to head. That you would own this name for God that Hagar gave God. It says this, She gave his name to the Lord who spoke to her, gave this name, You are the God who sees me. as you kind of enter into this conversation with God this week, you would understand him as the God who sees you. It says, I love you. I want to be a part of this journey. And yes, you've made some mistakes, but you are where where you are. And there's nothing we can do about that now except for put it in the past. And that's why the cross is here. It was killed it died it's been forgiven it's been covered by his sacrifice on the cross it's done as we just present our past to him and go god i want to give it to you i want to give you my life what's your next step going to be because he wants to join you because he is the god who sees and he, she goes on she says i have now seen the one who sees me it's just so awesome to me These are the types of conversations your Heavenly Father wants to have with you. And sometimes they're scary because when we enter into this conversation, He actually talks back and says, Okay, I understand. Now we're going to take this next step. And you go, I ain't making that phone call. Are you out of your mind? Let's let's wait. And He says, You're going to just stay there until you can turn around. Until you make this difficult decision or... Until you finally forgive what they did, you can't move forward from here. I just want to end with this one last verse. It's, it's kind of just added to the story, but I love it because it brings such reality to the scripture. And as Ajua and Justin come back, they're going to sing a song for us that really focuses in on the fact that God is the God who sees. Um, but it says this, so, so she gave um, this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy. It is there. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Now this is so great because as, as he, this was penned in the original, the very first person inspired to pen it that well was still there you could go see it you could go see the well that hagar met god at and you could look and go wow this is the well this is i know the well they're talking about as we begin conversations with god and you begin to step out in courage and you begin to go this is going to be the time i make this declaration to him i take this first step you will have certain times in your life where you look back and you go, that was the time when God turned my life around in this area. I have several of them. 
several wells where I met God in a unique and a fresh way, in a way I'd never thought of before. And I can look back and I can go sometimes in my mind, sometimes in an actual place. And I can go back to that place and go, I called God a different name at this point in my life because he asked me to make a decision and I did. And I stepped out. One of those places is the parking lot of this very church. I can almost, if I think about it long enough, find the parking space I was sitting when I said, okay, Lord, this is it. And, 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 and there's many of these things, but we can't have them until we have this conversation with God and we say, where have you come from? This is, this is where I've come from. This is who I am. This is what I have to offer. And we answer the question, where are you going? And we answer it honestly. Um, as Justin and uh, Ajua sing this song. Um, I invite you just to listen to the words. I invite you to fill out your connection cards. And maybe, maybe you know what your next step is and you need prayer. And so you fill that out on the prayer uh, part and you say, I know what my next step is and I need prayer because it's a hard one. And then we'll pray for that. And we prepare our offering at this time as well. But the, the thing I'd like to get m- m- most is that you begin this conversation with God to start off your week. Where have I come from? And where am I going? Mm-hmm.